Good morning, FPO family, and welcome to another episode of our midweek meditation, where we take a devotional look at one of the passages from this past week in our FPO Bible reading plan. As a quick reminder, the next bookmark for November and December is now available. If you'll be on campus in the next week or so, pick one up. If not, you can order one and have it mailed to your home by filling out the order form on the Midweek Meditations page on our website, which is www.firstpresopalaika.org. Over the past few weeks, we've been reading through some of Paul's letters. And this past week has seen us in his letter to the Colossians, the church at Colossae. In many ways, Paul's letters to the church in Colossae is similar to his other letters. He begins by reminding the church of the truths of the gospel, of what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. He does this in chapters 1 and 2. And as he usually does, he then turns to a conversation about the implications of the gospel on their lives. This structure by Paul and many of the writers of scriptures is intentional. The conversation begins by focusing on what God has done for us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Only then does the conversation switch to what we should do in response. This is exactly what we see in the book of Colossians, and I want us to focus our time this morning for a few minutes on Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. As we've mentioned in chapters 1 and 2, Paul has reminded the church over and again about what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, verses 12 to 14, he encourages the church with this truth. Give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In chapter 1, verse 21, he reminds us, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. In chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, he says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Over and over again, Paul goes to great length to encourage and remind the church what God has done for them, who they are now in Christ as a result of God's work. In chapter 3, Paul turns and begins to address the church, reminding them of how the truths of what God has done should direct and shape the way they live. In Colossians 3, verses 1 to 5, Paul exhorts them with these words. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Paul's simple and yet challenging call to the church here is to remember who they are and to live in light of who they are. Having just spent two chapters telling them over and again who God has made them in Christ, he now encourages them with the simple truth, so live in light of it. Look at what he says. If you have been raised with Christ, we could say he's saying, since you have been raised with Christ, because you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above, because that is where you are now in and with Christ. He tells them again, you have died with Christ. Your life is in Christ, so live like it. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. In each of these verses, Paul exhorts the church to live out what God has worked within. The nature of salvation is for God to give us a new identity and a new life in Christ, a new home in Christ. The consequences and implications of this truth upon our lives is that we should act like it. We should live it out. In the arena of mental illness, there's a condition many of us are familiar with called schizophrenia. And a person who suffers from this condition often loses contact with what is objectively true about themselves and the world, and therefore often lives in a state of delusion. This is heartbreaking for every person who suffers it and for those who have watched their loved ones suffer. And in one sense, what Paul is telling us in Colossians 3, 1-5 is to resist the temptation to live as a spiritual schizophrenic. A spiritual schizophrenic is someone who has been objectively united to Christ, given new life and a new identity in Christ, but continues to live as though they're still the same old person from before. Paul's encouragement in this passage is to remember what God has done for us, to embrace and to live in and to live out that reality. This is the challenge for every one of us who claims Christ to live out and to live up to what God has done in Christ, who Christ has made us. Look at how Paul describes what our response should be to what Christ has done and who Christ has made us in himself. In verse 5, he says this, this, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. He goes on in the remaining verses of Colossians to spell out what it means to put to death our old life, to embrace and grow up into the new identity and life that God has given us in Christ. One of the most encouraging aspects of this challenging call for me is that Paul doesn't start his letter with this call. Paul doesn't begin by focusing on what we should do. He begins by focusing on what God has done and the amazing blessings that are ours in Christ. Only then does he turn to call us to embrace it and to live it out. 
And this is important for a few reasons. One, it reminds us that our salvation is ultimately about what God has done, not what we do. We rest in what God has done in Jesus. Secondly, Paul knows that a lifelong faithful pursuit of Christ is not something that can be manufactured or coerced. If Paul focused solely on our behavior, our response, without first grounding it in what God has done, it it wouldn't last long. It would last as long as our willpower lasted. By focusing on the internal realities that God has achieved in Christ, he gives us a foundation and a power that will support and sustain a lifelong, zealous pursuit of Jesus. This is true because when we remember what God has done for us in Christ, when we fail to live up to it, we're not undone by not being perfect. This is true because Paul knows that the power we actually need is not something we drum up, but something given to us by God through his Holy Spirit. The only way that you or I will follow Jesus faithfully with any endurance is if we first rest in what God has done, and then in turn tap into and live out of that identity and power in the daily walk of life. The call of the gospel is to remember and rest in what God has done in Christ. Only then will we faithfully live that out with zeal and endurance. So wherever the Lord has you today, remember what God has done in Christ. Remember who God has made you in Christ and rest in that. And then let that reality well up in your heart and overflow into a zealous pursuit of Christ in all of life. I love you guys. Till next time.